Hanukkah. 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 You're listening to Hanukkah Podcast, highlighting citizen Potawatomi Nation issues, members, and more. Please subscribe to us on your favorite podcast platform. Just search Hanukkah Podcast. Thanks for tuning in. I'm your host, Paige Willett. In this month's episode, we'll meet CPN's new District 1 legislator, hear about the new First Americans Museum in Oklahoma City, and learn about how the tribe has dealt with the tumultuous employment sector through hiring events. Clinical psychologist and Joplin, Missouri resident Alan Milo was sworn in as CPN's new District 1 legislator on September 3rd following a runoff election. The Milo and Bergeron family descendant is 44 years old and has been married to his wife Stephanie since 1998. They have one son. As a legislator, Milo plans to connect with tribal members in his district, keeping in mind both the past and the future. So I'm old enough to remember whenever the uh, facilities here weren't here and when coming down to Shawnee to get your teeth cleaned or get, do other things at the Indian Clinic were very different from what they are now. So, yeah. And now you are a clinical psychologist mm-hmm. and you just graduated last year. Yeah, last year I did. So I, I spent many years in um, running small businesses or running business units, I guess, rather, and it just wasn't fulfilling. So my wife and I developed a plan to where we could change directions and do something different and to be able to go back and finish up my bachelor's degree was just, it was a real privilege. And my, my bachelor's, I wasn't sure what I wanted to go back for at the beginning. And so I, I knew that I wanted to go back and help. And classes turned into sociology classes and then into philosophy courses and into cultural anthropology courses and then back into psychology. And, and so, <laughs> so I, I wandered a pretty wide path, but my, my major wound up being in sociology and I had minors in, in anthropology and, and psychology. After that, therapy sounded interesting, and Department of Education here was super supportive and, and supported me through that whole walk and the entire process, and I'm just grateful. So then I transferred to Pitt State University in Pittsburgh, uh, Kansas, and got my master's degree in clinical psychology, and, and that was a real gift. It just, it just really was. I, I love what I do. Um, why did you decide to take on this role as legislator and just go ahead and give it a shot? More than anything else, I want more than anything else to be able to give back. I want to be able to pass those things on. I want to be able to serve the people in District 1. And I'm just really thankful that I have the ability to now. And I really want to follow up on that. And I want to do them right. How do you feel you can contribute as a legislator now? I think it's kind of a twofold answer. The first one is to be able to um, function as a legislator. You know, there are so many things that we have, um, that we have opportunities to do um, that perhaps we haven't, uh, ideas that we haven't considered yet or, you know, projects that we may be working on and, and um, might need to have a little bit different input or different voices. There's so much positive foundation, so many good things going on now anyways. And so it's a really easy role to step into from that perspective. Um, and the second one is connecting people with each other and with services to the tribe and things along those lines. What are some important issues that you feel like the tribe is currently facing? Like I said early on in the campaign, I think that our biggest issue is always tribal sovereignty because we have to exist as a nation to be able to have coherence as a people. And the foundations to that are going to be things like culture and language. Um, Do you have any goals 
that you're really going to go for over these next four years? You know, I have several goals. Um, honestly, the biggest one is to follow what the people in District 1 want me to do. Um, that's, that's my single biggest thing. I know that there are different um, objectives and different things that they've asked for, different things they've wanted me to be involved in or to, or to work on, and those are my goals. I, I come to this with very little of my own. I have no ego through this process, and um, I only want to accomplish what's best for my district. <laughs> I, I am good at bringing people together. Our family has um, a lot of different people with a lot of different perspectives and a lot of different positions. And one of the biggest ones is uh, how many T's goes, belongs at the end of her name. <laughs> <laughs> so is it Malo or is it Milo or is it Malat or is it something else? And um, we, that's been a deep divide in our family. And I think that I have um, at some level been instrumental in being able to bring those two parts of the family back to where uh, we might still fight, but usually it's about other things. No. <laughs> and and being, being able to bring my skills to bear as a clinical psychologist and what I've realized is that everybody has needs and we, we all have places that we struggle and then we all have places that we can grow and learn and that includes me I mean I, I'm talking about, my, about myself here and that you know through this process I, I want to learn and I want to grow through this so that I can be the absolute best for my people that I can be uh, what are some hobbies and activities that you enjoy in your free time? Is it is laughing a hobby? Um, I, <laughs> I, I I like to be happy, and I like to have joy that's just you know rooted in something besides just what's going on at the time because hard times come, and you know part of that joy for me is is just hanging out with my wife and and my family. Um, love to get coffee on Saturday mornings and just enjoy those quiet downtimes together. I love to. Um, be outside. I learned that from my dad. I'm, I'm an outdoorsman and I just, anything outdoors. I've, we spent a lot of time in our backyard and I ride motorcycles a lot. I've, I love riding bikes. Um, I've been all over the U S you know, life is, uh, life is too important to take seriously all the time. What are some hopes that you have for the tribe's future? I hope that in an immediate sense that people become more involved in learning the language. Um, because I think that that brings us closer together. I've watched online and in person both efforts to learn the language unite people. What would you like your constituents to really know about you? Um, that I absolutely care. It doesn't matter to me who gets credit for an idea or who gets um, their gold star as long as people get helped. And if I can be any part, small part of that or large, then I would just absolutely love to do that. Contact District 1 Legislator Alan Milo at alan.milo at potawatomi.org or on Facebook. After decades of hindrance from inconsistent funding and bureaucratic red tape, the First Americans Museum in Oklahoma City opened to the public September 18, 2021. The staff and volunteers' excitement shows their dedication to the project. Vice Chairman of the Con Nation and Museum Director James Pepper Henry has been involved with the museum in some capacity for approximately 25 years. We put together an all-native curatorial team. We have 11 curators working on this project. They're all members of tribes in Oklahoma. 
and uh, we all work together uh, to develop the stories that we're telling here. The museum's designers and architects worked meaning and native significance into every portion of the building and property. Tasha Zentek, CPN tribal member and Department of Education director, recognized those connections during a recent tour. I am incredibly inspired by all of the thoughts that went into the, the design of the museum. I can see that there are cultural elements in the structure of the building, in the way that actual exhibits are lined out. There's so much thought put into how to tell our Oklahoma indigenous story. The entire layout serves as an astronomical clock, according to FAM's marketing and communications manager, Jenny Underwood. The sun rises and sets on different sections of the museum to commemorate the special times of the equinox and solstice, as well as observing the cardinal directions. So everything about how FAM is positioned is in relation to that. that that's kind of an exciting thing for people to understand that um, so much thought has been given to not just the objects and things that they'll find in our exhibitions, but also the architecture and the layout of the museum itself. Underwood points out the FAM campus also includes a 90-foot mound which connects visitors to an ancient history of mound builders while offering a stunning view of downtown Oklahoma City and the Oklahoma River. The land itself used to be an oil field and so we had to reclaim the land and heal the land before that we can start the, the structure of the museum. In 2005 there was a ground blessing here um, with our tribal communities. The blessing attracted more than a thousand attendees. The grounds and interior of the building include three Oklahoma Art and Public Places pieces in partnership with the Oklahoma Arts Council, bringing some tribes' oldest beliefs and traditions into the modern day. There's just a lot of things that I think people are going to find unexpected and um, really enjoy seeing over and over again. The design also incorporates a 159-seat theater, gift shop, cafe, and restaurant, for which Citizen Potawatomi tribal member Loretta Oden serves as chef consultant. Former Potawatomi Leadership Program participant Jackson Barrett also works for the FAM as a guest services associate. The museum's bigger mission can be seen through its exhibitions and day-to-day -day programming. Associate Director for Learning and Community Engagement and Nation member Adrian Lolly Hills oversees the educational activities. Our hope is, is that people leave the museum as well as our programs with a, a deeper and uh, revitalized respect for the arts, history, and culture of the 39 tribes here in Oklahoma today. The museum welcomes the general public to attend fun family weekends year-round with art activities and interpretive stations included with admission. Walk-in tours and performances account for only a small portion of its offerings. We'll also be designing programs with our Native visitors in mind. So we'll have special tours for um, groups of Native folks that just want to deeply engage with our stories and the objects on view. The museum includes two long-term galleries, Oklahoma includes three portions and follows a historical timeline of the area, once known as Indian Territory, from the land's original inhabitants to the present day. The interactive exhibit allows visitors to play games, explore, and leave with a hands-on experience. The second gallery, Winnico Life of an Object, features 140 pieces from the Smithsonian National Museum of the American Indians. In the 1900s, NMAI curated many of the featured items from Oklahoma, and they are returning as part of the exhibit, which Underwood believes makes it unique. 
you know, it's a real homecoming of sorts that those people are able to touch and handle the objects that were their ancestors directly. And so that's been a really powerful experience to see that connection of today and yesterday together. The staff perceives the long-awaited museum as the opportunity to teach everyone about indigenous peoples and turn visitors into allies. You know, long story short, we're just really glad to be able to open our doors finally and um, to be able to share with the world the value of First Americans and our contributions to society, not in the past, but also today. Find First Americans Museum online at famok.org, as well as on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. As entertainment restaurants and healthcare clinics reopened to full capacity across the United States, the traditional employment process flipped, giving applicants their choice of jobs in many sectors. Citizen Potawatomi Nation Human Resources organized free hiring events in the spring and summer, creating a fast and centralized job hunting experience. During these events, HR program manager Gwen Rice and other staff focused on CPN Health Services, the Grand Casino Hotel and Resort, Fire Lake Entertainment Center, and grocery and dining enterprises. At the the first one, the Grand Casino, I was I was stressed. I was pretty stressed, worried. I was like, what if we do all this, set up, and nobody shows up? And so I remember when that first person walked through the door, my, my I mean, just everything lifted. I'm like, it's going to be a good day. Alan Gunter, security manager for Fire Lake Entertainment Center, attempted to overcome a lack of staff for several months. Positions usually attract at least 10 applicants, but recently he has not received any. Gunter decided to put faith in the hiring event and arrived prepared to hold on-site interviews. Yeah, I was overwhelmed. I mean, I, I really was because uh, even HR and my boss was over there talking and was like, well, you haven't sat down all day. And I'm like, I'm loving it, though. <laughs> he filled almost all of his positions after talking to 13 applicants, a new personal record, for the most interviews in a single day. You know, that says something for the tribe itself because, you know, being the largest employer in, in, in Pot County, that, that makes a difference with a lot of people. They know we're a stable company. We have great benefits to offer. Human Resources staff helped the hiring event attendees pick positions that most interested them and put them in order of preference. Rice said many applied on the spot, followed by a quick pre-screen. And then um, once that all that was done, we took them to the table that, of the position they wanted, and managers have their choice of doing the interview with them. So I'm hoping that it was a good experience for them because we, you know, we, we did make it a point to greet every one of them that walked in. After seeing an online advertisement, Randy Osborne, a Muskogee Creek Nation citizen, came to the job fair. His curiosity about available positions paid off, and Gunter hired him as a security officer. Osborne appreciated the ability to complete the process from application to interview in one day. Well, I come in and applied for about three different positions, and they talked to me about the security and everything, and it was a nice job fair. It was a lot nicer than I thought it would be. And, you know, the hiring process is great. CPN welcomed close to 100 employees throughout the three events. Both Gunter and Rice always highlight the tribe's many positive attributes as an employer when talking to applicants, including competitive pay, insurance plans, and more. I always tell them about the benefits that we have 
and that um, generally that ZPN does take care of their employees. It's a great place to work. We have other employees that, you know, been with us for a while. We have a lot of that. I just try to sell them on, you know, how this, I feel like it's, it's a family, you know, atmosphere working for CPN. Although Osborne started his job only a few months ago, he has enjoyed his time with the nation. I'd recommend him in a heartbeat. With nearly 100 positions still open, Citizen Potawatomi Nation seeks to employ skilled people in many different fields, meaning there is something for everyone. CPN's employee retention remains high, some staying with the tribe for 20, 25, and even 30 years or more. Check out job listings and opportunities at firelakejobs.com. Follow CPN on Facebook at Citizen Potawatomi Nation. It's time for learning language when the CPN Language Department joins us to teach vocabulary, songs, stories, and more. In this segment, Department Director Justin Neely joins us for a lesson about counting, age, and more. Today we're going to talk a a little bit about numbers in Potawatomi. And honestly, if you can count to 10 in Potawatomi, you can really count almost as high as you want. It is a language where to get to like 11, it's like 10 and 1, 10 and 2. So we'll count from 1 to 10 in Potawatomi. Goat. Goat is 1. Sounds just like a goat. There's an N on there, but it's kind of quiet. Goat. Niche. Niche is 2. Shwe. Shwe is 3. Niao. Niao is 4. Nianan. Nianan is five. Ngotwatso is six. Ngotwatso. Noak. Noak is seven. Noak. Schwatso. Schwatso is eight. Schwatso. Shock. Shock is nine. Shock. Madatso. Madatso is ten. Madatso. Here, real quick here, we'll just go ahead and count all the way to 10, and then we'll count backwards the other way. So, goat, niche, shwe, niao, nianan, goatwatso, noak, schwatso, shak, madatso. And now backwards from 10 to 1. Madatso, shak, schwatso, noak, goatwatso, nianan, niao, shwe, niche, goat. And then for zero, we just say chogaggle, which, which literally means nothing. Chogaggle. Now, to go bigger than 10, we just go, we say the word 10, madatso, and we either say shech or we say mina. Shech is just a word that kind of means and, but it's only used with numbers, so you would only use it with numbers. Mina, on the other hand, actually means and or again, uh, and it can be used in other areas too, like bama mina, later again. And then talking about like uh, how how old someone is in Potawatomi, uh, we we base our age on winters. You know how many winters a person has lived uh, in the Great Lakes. You know we're originally from. You certainly wouldn't have a, a year where it didn't snow. So you would know. You know if you made it through a winter time, it was a celebration because winters were often very harsh, uh, difficult times for our ancestors. 
And so making it through a, a, a winter would be something that you would definitely want to celebrate and be cognizant of. I don't know that our ancestors really cared that much about what, what month a person was born, per se, uh, other than maybe they knew that the person was born during a time, maybe like maple syruping month, or they knew that they were born when we picked blueberries, maybe. But they, they wouldn't have cared too much necessarily about the actual date. But kind of marking the years based on how many snows have passed was was how we even today traditionally talk about how old somebody is. So I like to joke around that down in Oklahoma there's years where we don't have any snow. So I like to believe that I'm actually a few years younger than what I really am based on that. So those of you in, live in warmer uh, surroundings where it may not snow at all, you may be stuck in a, a blissful state of youth. <laughs> I don't know. But Nijetso Pongesien is how you ask how old are you. Again, literally how many snows old are you. Nijetso Pongesien. Nijetso Pongesien. And if you want to say, for example, I'm 22 years old, you can say, Nishwabtuk Shech Nish Neponges. That Nishwabtuk is the 20, Shech and Nish, so 22, Neponges, years old or snows old. Nijetso Pongezet o Penoges. How old is that baby? Nijetso Pongezet o Penoges. Now, with a baby, you may talk in months uh, or even days, perhaps. So if you want to talk about like a baby is four months old, instead of pongeze, you can say gizesgeze, and that would be so many months old, gizesgeze. So niao gizesgeze, four months old. So if you said um, six months old, you say gotwatso gizesgeze. So again, the numbers in Potawatomi, and you can go much higher than that. We also have Got Osuk, that's 1,000. But you, to get higher, you would just say, you know, you just add the numbers with it. So if you wanted to say 50,000, you could say Nianom Tene Osuk, 50,000. If you wanted to say 100,000, you could say Gotwak Osuk, 100,000. Our ancestors usually would just talk in probably in just large amounts. You can just say Jash, like a bunch. Jash. I doubt they would sit there and count if you actually got lucky enough to have thousands of hides laying around that you wanted to trade. I doubt they were sitting there counting out, oh, there's 10,444 hides. It was probably like, hey, there's a stack over there. I'll trade that for, you know, whatever else they wanted to trade for. Um, in fact, in our money system, which uh, it actually has those those uh, fur trading elements still in, in the system, when we say one dollar, we say go mukwi, one beaver hide, literally. And go yaspin is a quarter, it's one raccoon hide. So the way you can look at that is four raccoons is worth one beaver. Back in the day, beaver was more valuable of a hide than a raccoon would have been, and it still kind of exists today in our in our money system. The same way that, you know, how many snows old exists when we're talking about the age of somebody, some of these cultural ideals and, and thoughts that kind of make their way into the language. And that's one reason I always tell people that our, our language truly is a window into the past. It allows us to see what was important to our ancestors long ago, but what still is important to us today as traditional Potawatomi people. And when you really want to get into your culture and learn your culture, the best path really is to start learning your language, and it'll open all kinds of windows to you. So, yeah. For more information and opportunities with language, including self-paced classes, visit cpn.news backslash language. You can find an online dictionary at potawatomidictionary.com, as well as videos on YouTube. There are also Potawatomi courses on the Language Learning app, 
Memorize. Hanukkah Podcast is produced and brought to you by Citizen Potawatomi Nation's Public Information Department. Our director is Jennifer Bell. Don't forget to subscribe to us on SoundCloud, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and wherever you find what you listen to. We're also on Facebook at Citizen Potawatomi Nation and on Twitter at C underscore P underscore N. Visit us on the web and find digital editions of the tribal newspaper at Potawatomi.org. That's P-O-T-A-W-A-T-O-M-I dot org. Until next time, I'm Paige Willett. Miigwech nikanek, bamamina. Thank you, friends. See you later.